Motives, what is going on? This is Yash and this is the Behind Your Motive podcast where we break down your false beliefs, your limiting beliefs and unlock your reality to truly transform your life into the dreams that you aspire to every single day. Now guys, I have been privileged to interview the man from Beast Nation himself, Brad Blazer. In this episode, we speak about his upbringing and how he grew a multi-million dollar oil company in his 20s. We also speak about the events that occurred afterwards from him literally raising billions of dollars in funding for other businesses like his. Brad Blazar's entire story is truly phenomenal and I've learned so much from this little interaction we've just had. Make sure to get your notepads and pens ready for this one because there will be plenty of knowledge and strategies shared throughout our conversation. Probably the most important topic we speak about throughout this entire conversation is networking. Guys, your network creates your net worth. Let that sink in for a second. We break down some very important insights that you can use when you reach out to that person you look up to. You may think it's very simple, but you'll be very surprised with what we share today. Now, without further ado, let's discover what's behind Brad Blazar's motive. Absolutely. Uh, what's up, Australia and the rest of the Instagram world? Great to be back. And uh, it's always good to connect with you, Yash. You know, you're such a cool dude. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is our second interaction. Uh, the first interaction, you're kind enough to lend me your time as well. And um, I just wanted to ask you, like, this is the first question I like to ask people that come onto the podcast is like, do you remember our first interaction? What was significant from that? What happened? A um, bit of an icebreaker question. And what, yeah, what do you, what's your thoughts? Well, uh, aside from the fact that you've got a killer badass accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I do remember, obviously, our first interaction, you know, because we were actually, I won't say introduced, but we had a common relationship. And so, you know, naturally, we chatted about that, kind of the relationship we both have with, uh, with Dallas, Junie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was really just kind of a discussion about, you know, entrepreneurship, my background kind of, uh, you know, what you're passionate about, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that it was really just a matter of, you know, us deciding that we wanted to work together and really just help, you know, as many people as we possibly could through your podcast, through our interaction together. And uh, that's why I'm just, uh, you know, glad to be here. It's almost uh, 5.30 here. It's 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning there. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where when you're a beast and, uh, you know, when you hustle, when you grind, uh, you do things at odd hours of the day. That's it. But that's what makes you successful. You know, I mean, I've, I've done shit at three in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, professional people always, always, always show up. You know, uh, as an example, I was supposed to have a uh, interview this afternoon with a lady that was interested and she's in the insurance business. And so we set up a meeting today at three o'clock. It's the second time she's missed her appointment with me. Mm -hmm. And so I sent her a text and I said, if I was one of your insurance prospects that you were trying to sell insurance to, I'd be a little bit concerned right about now. You know, you're, you're two for two. That's not the way big time people no, <laughs> Definitely not. You've got to stick to your targets, don't you? You've got to, got to be willing to present yourself 
at what a, whatever time of the day. And um, you're at 5.30, I'm at 8.30. Uh, but that's how we do it. That's how we do it. Um, how, how have you been, Brad? I haven't spoken to you for probably around two, three, four weeks, really, isn't it? How have you been? What's been on yeah, your I mean, mind? I've been doing great, man. You know, we've been keeping busy. We're, uh, you know, just uh, committed to our coaching program, committed to the people that are enrolled with us. Uh, working on another book. And I think that, you know, what we're finding as I'm talking to a lot of the other big coaches that I've worked with or that we've had on Conquer the Crisis over the last couple of weeks is people are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable getting out and congregating. And so uh, mm. we're actually planning a big summit to do here uh, called Rise Above. Uh, that'll be with myself. It'll be with uh, Coach Michael Burt. We're going to have Matt Knowles, uh, the CEO and founder of Music World Entertainment, of course, the father to Beyonce and to us, Solange. And then we're also going to have uh, Antonio Smith Jr. And so it's going to be a full intensive day of live coaching. Uh, we're still looking at a location, but it's going to be the very last week of July or the first week of August. And, uh, you know, it's just so exciting that people are finally kind of getting comfortable, getting back yeah. out. And, uh, you know, instead of doing a lot of these virtual summits, really meeting the coaches in person, you know, getting autographs, spending some quality time, really getting to know them. Because at the end of the day, you know, that's really what it's all about is people want to sit down with a coach. They want to sit down uh, in the VIP section. They want to get to know the person. They want to know, hey, how can you help me uh, if I choose to work with you or if I choose to buy your books? What is it that you know that I don't know that's going to ultimately get me where I want to be in a faster, uh, you know, more streamlined car. And at the end of the day, that's what I tell people, you know, you can figure the shit out yourself. It might take you three years or you can hire a coach and get there in six months. Choice is yours. Definitely. Definitely. That's the power of coaching. And I've just realized that myself in my, in my life, I've um, got my own coach now as well. And he's truly in a matter of maybe two, three weeks transformed the way I look at life and my insights and my and he's just unlocked my realities. Like he's he's changed my morning routine. I'm starting to wake up at five thirty in the morning now, going and doing a workout, meditating, journaling. It's just all these literal little thing and the big thing, cold showers. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a hot shower, normal shower for maybe two minutes. At the very end, turn all the hot water on, crank the cold water on. I'm like, holy crap, this is cold. <laughs> but it, it gets your brain trained to perform oh, yeah. the very difficult tasks right in the morning. So you're, so you're pre-framing yourself to finish the tasks throughout the day. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I definitely do agree with you in the, in the, for the in-person meetings. Um, I, 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 tot I love meeting people in person as opposed to – I still love this interaction that we're having now. But it's a totally different experience in person, isn't it? Um, so, and I have definitely noticed that people are definitely more inclined to be going out now. They're not as scared. Uh, they're getting a bit yeah. more comfortable. So hopefully your coaching business can propel through that time. And, and tell me a bit more about your coaching. What do you, what do you plan on doing? How do you help people? Yeah, so really our coaching program, um, we have, you know, our, what I call premier program called Build a Beast which really is designed on changing people's mindset about themselves, making them see a bigger future. Um, we've actually trademarked a concept that's called the art of beliefology. And really the art of beliefology focuses on the fact that if you change your habits and if you change your beliefs, you can definitely transform your future. Your todays don't have to be your tomorrows. 
And so many people, when we start talking to them, say, you know, I'm stuck. Uh, I feel like I'm a level 10 person. I'm stuck in a level four opportunity. I hate my job. I feel like I'm in a treadmill every day. I wake up. I do the same thing. I have no passion in life. And really, it's a result of what you've probably done is designed or chosen to live a life that was designed for you by other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times when we were growing up as kids, did we hear from our parents, oh, you're going to go to college, and you're going to get a job, and then you're going to enter a career, then you're going to save your money, and yada, yada, yada. And at the end of the day, we do those things, and then we wake up one day and go, I'm miserable. I don't like what I'm doing. I have no fulfillment in my life. I'm barely getting by financially. And so the whole concept of Build-A-Beast is really to teach people that you've got to focus on yourself first. You've got to understand the first person you've got to sell is yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you adopt that mindset that you're going to block out your feelings, you're going to block out the noise, and you're going to focus on success, you're going to write your goals down in a journal, you're going to back them with some action, your life can change, and it can change dramatically. Definitely. I mean, I know people literally that have gone from making $60,000 to making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but people just don't know that they have the ability to transform their life and just explode with the proper mindset. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and it's, it's so important to have someone in your corner and to not be ignorant about your success and about your future. People, and especially me, I'm talking from personal experience that people get ignorant and saying, no, 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 I don't need someone. I can do it myself. And no, 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 I don't want to ask questions. I can do it myself. I know everything. They might not be consciously saying that, but subconsciously they're thinking that in the back of their minds. And that's, that was like me as well. But I've always been, I've always been uh, proactive. And I'm always love asking questions, as you can notice probably through our conversations on Instagram, through these conversations. I love asking questions and I love getting to know people and I love improving myself. And that's the best way to improve yourself is to network, is to interact with new people, is to get a coach to help you through those tough times. Um, but that leads me on to going, diving a bit deeper with you and how you started. Like I'd love to get an insight into how you started this path like usually there's a shift in people's mindsets, as you said, and something occurs in one's life that propels you in a different direction. And I'd love to get to know what that actually was. You know, I think that for everybody that chooses the path of being a coach, um, you have to go through a cycle in life to get to the point where you're so convicted that you can actually help people and transform people. Because the problem as I look out at the coaching universe is, you know, I've spoken at a bunch of events where there'll be a table next to me and that person will have their books or they'll have their CDs or their DVDs. And so, you know, out of curiosity, I go and I Google them. I mean, shit, half the coaches I've been next to at events have been sued. You know, I'm not going to mention any names, but it's like, you know, they've spoken at events, they sold their services, and then they didn't stand behind their products or what they said they were going to deliver. Number one, folks, is you got to stand behind what you say you're going to deliver. But the most important thing, really, Ash, is I think that for somebody to really impact somebody in a positive way, a coach has to go through a cycle. And that cycle starts, number one, with a revelation. Uh, It's kind of what I call that big aha moment in your life that, holy shit, I can actually change people for the better. 
I've got a skill or I've got some knowledge or I've got something special about me that by applying it to other people, I can change them. And then once you do that and you start doing it for multiple people and you see similar results where many people are having the same results, what you get is you get conviction. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to get on a stage or to be on your podcast or to fly around the world or be interviewed, you have to be so convicted in what you're able to do for people because at the end of the day, if they hire you as a coach, what you want to see and what they want to see are results, right? You don't want to be called out three years into your coaching career. Oh, I hire this guy and he charged me $3,000 and you know, he didn't do jack shit or I didn't see any change. If enough people say that, man, you're not going to be successful at all in the coaching industry. So for me, when it actually got started, very, very good question, Yash, is when I was in the oil business, um, I was looking to hire an individual to get on the phone. And the job that that person had was going to be reaching out to high net worth accredited investors. And so we put an ad in the local paper, got a bunch of resumes, a bunch of people sent the resumes in. And one day my uh, secretary said, you know, hey, um, Jack's here for his interview. I said, great. So I walk out of my corner office and there in my reception area, there's a young man for an interview, for a job. And he's wearing a pair of jeans that had holes in the knees. <laughs> he's got a flannel shirt. He's got work boots that were covered in dust. Um, yeah. He had a big mullet haircut, big old Fu Manchu mustache. And then when he stood up to shake my hand, his hands were all covered in calluses. Now, I think most people that are listening would say, for most individuals, the interview probably would have ended at the front door. But for some reason, I don't know what it was that day. I was in a good mood. Um, I said, you know, come on back. We went to my conference room. We sat down. We uh, got to know each other over about 30, 45 minutes. And, and finally, I just looked at him. And I said, Jack, why do you want to work for me? And what he said, Yash, literally pierced through me like somebody shot me with an arrow. Mm -hmm. Because at that time in my life, I had just started reading books by Stephen the habits of successful people where mm -hmm. he talks about the four things that make people mind, body, soul, and spirit. And what Jack said, he said, Brad, it's because my wife and my daughter have bigger dreams in their life than what I'm capable of delivering. I, I'm not making enough money to be the father, to be the provider, to give my wife nice gifts. And they have much bigger dreams than I have. And I want to be able to provide for them the type of life that they deserve. Wow. And I just sat back and I'm like, wow. I was like reading all of these books about you have to find your purpose. I'm like, man, that dude just told me what his purpose was. I mean, boom, right there. He laid it out on the table. And so I said, Jack, can you be back here Monday morning to get to work? He said, absolutely. He skipped out of the office and I guarantee I saw him the next morning at eight o'clock Monday. We started um, scripting them, getting them, uh, you know, comfortable with what we do. But I sat back and I said, man, I've got one problem here. I said, this kid, because he was in his 30s, is going to have to get on the phone and start presenting and pitching to big investors, people that are going to be writing checks for $50,000, $100,000. And this poor kid doesn't even have a suit. He's showing up in jeans and a flannel shirt and a Fu Manchu. And I said, I've got to transform the way he sees himself. And so I said, Jack, come with me. We hopped in my Porsche. I took him to a department store. 
And literally what I did is I invested in that young man's future. I literally bought him two suits and I dressed him from head to toe. And then I took him to my barber and we gave him literally a Hollywood makeover, you know, <laughs> cut his hair, clean up the beard, shave them up, came back in the office about four hours later. And my assistant did not even recognize him as the same person that left. Wow. But here's the key thing. The next day when he came in dressed up, looking good, right? Nice shirt, nice sports coat. <laughs> the transformation began. Mm-hmm. I could tell just the way he was walking. I could tell the way he was on the phone talking to people. And so we kept working together. And over the course of that year, that individual made $250,000. Wow. And I said to myself, Brad Blazer can change people's lives for the better. I can transform people because I was able to change his beliefs about himself. And I remember one day when I was walking to my office, I stopped and he was pitching a prospective investor. And after he hung up the telephone, Yash, I just smiled and I said, man, look at how much can change in six or seven months. And he said, Mr. Blazer, he said, I'll never forget what you told me. He said, you told me that whatever my mind could conceive and believe, it's capable of achieving. And every time I sit behind this desk and I'm all dressed up, these nice clothes, I feel like I'm J.R. Ewing. Mm-hmm. And that was it. By working with this young kid, what we started to do, Yash, is change his habits. He came in early. He was working out every day. He kept a journal. He had little signs around his office that were positive motivational quotes to get in the right frame of mind. And he had a little ritual that he did every day to prepare himself before he got on the telephone. And by changing his state and changing his frame of mind, he was able to go from a guy that was probably making sixty to seventy-five thousand and now a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. You know, and stepped into the bigger future and the potential that he always had. He just wasn't able to see it. And that's the that's the power of a coach, isn't it? It sometimes it's important for someone to just look into your life and see your potential because sometimes you don't see your own potential. And that's a prime example with this guy. He had all this skill, he had all this talent, he had all this potential, yet he never understood it. And it wasn't until you went into his life, guided him through the right directions and showed him that you are capable. You are awesome. Like you just, sometimes people just need that motivation, don't they? They just need that interaction with, with you directly instead of over an Instagram post, instead of over a Facebook page, instead of, it's not as important, it's not as impactful for someone where it's like that as opposed to directly like this, for instance. Um, Absolutely, 100%, bingo, you know, and the most important thing for a coach is to understand really how to kind of nurture that, you know, it's mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, somebody might have great skills and great knowledge, but they, they may lack passion. And so as a coach, you need to understand what buttons do I need to push with this individual? What things do I need to say? Um, What do I need to be working with that person on so that they see that bigger future, so that they're able to do the things to move them in a positive direction? Because at the end of the day, as a coach, if people lack the desire, all the coaching in the world's not going to do a damn thing. You know, let's face it, you can read all the books, you can listen to all the podcasts, you can hire a coach, but if you're not going to hold yourself accountable and if you're not going to do the things to really move forward in life, 
because you want to change, because you want to make more money, because you want to do, you know, whatever the hell it is you want to do, you're never going to see any significant change or any significant um, improvement. And when people say, you know, hey, Brad, I want to hire you as my coach. I want you to be the person that, you know, does this for me. I basically tell them, look, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how serious are you in really doing this? Oh, you know, 10, absolutely 10. And I'm like, well, you the hell better be because you're spending a couple thousand dollars. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not moving in as your roommate. I'm not going to be sleeping in the bed next to you. You know, we're going to talk every now and then, and I'm going to be coaching you. But you really need to want this. Otherwise, don't invest your money because you're not investing in me. You know, yeah, you're paying me. But in reality, what you're investing in is you. You're investing in you. You're investing in your future. Because if I charge you $49 a month, which is the cost of a decent, expensive lunch at a nice restaurant, and I tell you to do certain things, you're going to blow me off. Like, eh, I'm not vested enough. Yeah. Because the amount of money that I've committed every month is such a small investment in my bigger future. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, dude, it's going to cost you $325, then you're thinking, well, shit, that's a lot of money. I better, I better take this seriously now because that's a decent amount. That's a car payment, you know? Definitely. And so when you start thinking of it that way, that, that money that you're investing is really the investment in yourself to hold yourself accountable for the coaching and the things that that coach is going to be asking you to do. That's when you start to see change. That's when you start to see results. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, and I do want to peel back a little um, from that story that you mentioned with that young lad that come into your office and asked for the job, what was, what was the major difference with him and other people that applied? Because there was, there was other people that was suited up that probably had a purpose that probably had more skill than him. But what did you see in this guy that made you think, okay, I actually want to take a chance with him because this is probably an important topic to speak about, especially during these times, because a lot of people have gotten out of jobs, unfortunately. And it's a great, it could be a great lesson that you could teach about how to actually make that good first impression where people want to take a chance with you, where people understand who you are, where people really get to know you instantly, where they want to just take that chance. What do you think? You know, what I think it was, was really the reason that he wanted to work for me. It was understanding and being able to articulate that really what he wanted was just a better life. You know, so many people, when they come in for a job interview and you say, you know, hey, why do you want to work here? Oh, it's a great company or, you know, oh, you're part of the Inc. 500 or, oh, I saw that your company does this and yada, yada, da. Well, at the end of the day, those are all great things. But in reality, what I want to, to hear and what I was really looking for is somebody that had a purpose that was much deeper than that, that was willing to literally get down and dirty and get gritty and really learn the business and was going to show up early and stay late and that was really going to you know, memorize the script, not necessarily for him, but for the people he cared about and the people that he loved the yeah. most. Because I believe that if you're going to do something big and you're going to do something great in life, you have to have a purpose. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll give you an example. I've got two doctors in the family. My sister's a physician, and so is my brother-in-law. And for anybody that's obviously applied to medical school or anybody that knows anybody that's applied to medical school, there's a very lengthy interview process in the selection. 
where they ask you, why do you want to be a doctor? And, you know, so many people are like, oh, it's because of the money or it's, oh, because, uh, you know, it's a prestige or, oh, it's because of this. That's not what the enrollment people are looking for. Mm -hmm. They're looking for a deep-seated purpose and a conviction on why you want to be a doctor. And usually it boils down to because I want to help people that are ill or I want to bring wellness to the world or I want to be in preventive health care so that people don't get disease. And I can do that by being a physician, you know. And so really, I think that you need a, a deep seated purpose to be an entrepreneur, to accumulate wealth, to do certain things in life, like be a coach, because there will be days where you just put your head between your hands and you're like, man, I'm just ready to give up. I mean, I'm going crazy. This isn't working. Or people are telling me that I'm absolutely foolish or I'm doing the wrong thing. And the second you succumb and you listen to those no-sayers and you listen to those people and give up, you're never going to get where you want to go. You're so never going to become the person that you're capable of becoming. You know, the funny thing, and this is kind of a funny story, Yash, when I wrote my first book and I published it on Amazon, I thought, you know, the first group of people that are going to go run out and buy this book are who? My mom. My sister, my brother, my cousins, my nieces and nephews, all of my good friends. <laughs> you know, you're shaking your head. No, that shit don't happen. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, bewildered, like, what the hell, man? I got this great book, you know? And the funny thing is, you know, over the course of my entire life, they never saw me as this author. Yeah. They never saw Brad Blazer as this dude that was telling everybody, hey, you just watch me. I'm going to be getting on these big stages and speaking to people and getting people to pay me thousands of dollars and hiring me as a coach. They're like, dude, what do you know about coaching? You know, it's like, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, you never coach anything but, you know, Little League Baseball. And I'm like, you just wait and see. I'm going to be coaching people on how to change their beliefs. I'm going to be coaching people how to become beasts. And, you know, fast forward a little over two years now, what's happening, I've been on big stages, I've got people paying me anywhere from 3000 up to $15,000, depending on, you know, where they come in for my coaching programs. Everyone that was a naysayer is like, holy crap, <laughs> this dude that's doing everything he said he was going to do, you know, he's now got not just one book, he's got two books, and he's working on a third book, and he's got, you know, these big podcasts that he's been on, and he's speaking at, you know, places in Vegas, and, you know, doing all of these cool things. And he's got a great Instagram post with, you know, almost 20,000 followers. Well, you know, the reason that that happened was that I set something in motion and I just committed myself and I never looked back. I remember a conversation with my wife almost a year ago when I was just getting started where I was putting some money into this. And she said, well, you know, when are you going to give up if this doesn't work? And I just sat there at dinner one night and I said, I'm never giving up. I don't care if I have to put $100,000 into this. This is my passion. This is what I want to be doing. This is my conviction. This is what I see my future calling me. And I, I need to step into that. And she just kind of looked at me like, fucking married an idiot. This guy's crazy. You know? <laughs> so now she's obviously supportive yeah. because it's working. And, you know, we're doing well. And, you know, people all over the world are engaged. And, you know, we're doing big things. And we're connecting with, you know, big thought leaders. We're doing things like Conquer the Crisis or our live event that's going to be at the end of July, August called Rise Above. Uh, you know, and so 
I think that you have to use the fear, but you also have to use what I call the naysayers and the haters as fuel to kind of show these people, I'll show you. I'll show you what Brad Blazer's made of. You know, it's kind of like Muhammad, Muhammad Ali said, you know, keep saying you're great. Even if you ain't, if you keep saying it, someday you'll prove to yourself that you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that you just need to keep reminding yourself through positive affirmations and through rituals that help reinforce that belief system so that one day you wake up and you're that person that you've been dreaming of for all of those years. Because once you start doing that, you start instilling the habits. It's like you said, you're working out, you're waking up at 5.30, you're keeping a journal, you're doing all the right things. And I would subscribe, you're probably starting to notice that your life is changing for the better, right? Definitely. You just got to keep on doing it. You got to keep focused. And as you become better at those things, and as you put some muscle memory behind that and create some repetition, it'll become easier because success really is created around skill it's finding a skill that's finding something you're really good at and then really honing that and getting very good at that through repetition okay that's why coaching people has to be done through repetition people can't change people can't transform by being exposed to an idea or being exposed to a concept they have to hear it they have to basically uh, uh, assimilate it. And then more importantly, they have to role play. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to prove to me, Nash, that you understand the concept that I've been teaching you all month. So let's do some role play or, or convince me that you understand what I was trying to train everybody on over the last three weeks. I want to make sure that you can literally take that concept and more importantly now teach that to somebody else because one of the best ways to learn something and then master it is to actually teach that to somebody else. Someone else, definitely, Brad. I want to know, what's the difference between, because you said at the start, you were like, I want to prove you wrong. And there's a lot of people that have that conviction as well, right? But they never, they never actually get the results. They never actually try, really. They never actually take that dive. And I feel like it's because they're comfortable. And that's probably a main reason is because they're comfortable in their current life and they don't want to transition their life into something they actually want. So what makes that difference between someone that like yourself had all those naysayers still like everyone does, but actually provided the results and actually got the results and proved them wrong. And someone that actually says they will has that dream, has those ideas in their minds, but never actually takes the action. What's the main difference do you think? You know, it's a great question, and uh, I would agree 100% with everything you've just said. Um, my good friend and my coach, Coach Michael Burt, calls it prey drive. Um, most people get to a point in life where they're complacent. Uh, their, their comforts, their needs are met. They've got a house. They've got a car. they got food on the table, and so they're not hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they plateaued. They're making 80000 They're making 150000 whatever it is, and so they're comfortable. And, you know, we as humans, just human nature, we're creatures of comfort. But as Coach Burt would say, and as I like to say, we just call it different things. He calls it prey drive. I call it developing a a beast mindset. Is everybody has inside of them this thing called prey drive. Now, let me define what that is. Prey drive is prevalent in dogs. 
It's the ability to see something in your mind or to see something optically with your eyes and then pursue it. Most people have prey drive. It's just that it has not been activated. It's dormant. And the reason it's dormant is because you're complacent. You're not hungry. And so prey drive can be activated by a number of things or the mindset of a beast so that you're hungry and you go out every day building and attacking the life you want and deserve um, can be triggered in a number of ways. One is exposure to big people and big ideas. When I'm around big people, you know, people like Ged Milet, people like Cardone, people like Coach Michael Burt, um, that are way beyond where I am in my coaching career, it opens my mind to what is available to me and what I can potentially be doing. And so it really motivates me. It makes me hungry. It's like, if they can do it, I can be doing it too. The other thing uh, that activates, of course, kind of a beast mindset is competition. You know, people are very competitive. And so if you're part of a team and, uh, you know, the manager or the supervisor has kind of a leaderboard and, uh, you know, you're not there at number one and you're a competitive type person, hopefully, you know, that is inspiring or motivating you. The other is what I call the fear of loss. A lot of big time people that have accumulated wealth that are at the top of their game wake up every day realizing that there is this natural thing called the fear of loss. If I back off the gas pedal and I slow down, all of the revenue, all of the business is going to start, you know, slowing down or worse yet, you know, one big scandal in my career can just wipe me out. And so it's the fear of loss. And so I'll tell you, you know, for Brad Blazer and a lot of people that I know, it's really the mindset that every night at 12 o'clock, the clock resets to zero. And every morning when I wake up, I got to be on the phone. I got to be talking to people. I got to be going through my prospecting list. I got to be reaching out to people that have expressed interest to drive the revenue, drive the profitability, drive the sales. Because at the end of the day, every business survives on revenue and sales, right? Yeah. And so it's the mindset that you need to wake up every single day and have a focused discipline and keep a journal and keep a day planner so that chronologically throughout the day, you know what you should be doing. Because if you don't do that, you're living life on the defense rather than on the offense. You know, I choose to live life on the offense. When I met Joe Namath, he shared a story with me where uh, Coach Bryant at Alabama used to take the players, not all the players, but, you know, Joe Namath, who, of course, was the quarterback, the captain of the offensive line, captain of the defensive line, a couple other of the seniors, and they would just walk around the field before a big game, just talking. And there was one game that literally changed Joe Namath's life. And he said, that game, Bear Bryant looked at me and he said, hey, Joe, this is a big game tonight, man. You got a plan for the game? And Joe looked back and said, yeah, I think so, coach. And literally, Bear Bryant stopped walking. And then the other players took a couple steps, and then they stopped because they realized that Bear Bryant was a couple steps behind him, and he had just stopped. And so they turned around. And, you know, Bear Bryant, you know, he's a legend. I mean, he's a big dude, right? He looks at Joe Namath, and he points his finger, and he said, you think so? He said, boy, there ain't no think here at Alabama. You either know so or you don't. And from that day forward, Joe Namath always had a plan for every single football game. He would watch the videos. He would spend hours watching the opposing team 
He would look at their weak players. He would know on his offensive line exactly who he wanted to favor and who he would throw to. And what Joe Namath said is that one moment where Bear Bryant said, boy, you don't think so. You either know so or you don't changed the whole dynamics for Joe Namath, who, of course, became one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game and, of course, took his team to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Right? And, of course, when he, and when he said, hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl, his team was not the favorite team to win, but he proved everybody wrong. And so I think that there's a big lesson in that right there is you've got to come to life with a plan. You've got to come to your work week with a plan. You see, what I've learned from big people that I've had on my podcast and just being around folks like Coach Michael Burke is big time people do not use the weekends as time to escape. Mm -hmm. Okay, most people do. Most people look forward to Friday, five o'clock, man. It's like Fred Flintstone. They hop in the car, right? They're off, right? The bedrock. They're going to go get some chicken wings and they're going to go get some beer and they're going to hang out all weekend and then boom, Monday morning rolls around and it's like, oh, back to work. Big time people use Saturdays to spend time with their family, to focus on their fitness, and it's really their day of rest. Same thing usually for Sunday. Uh, a lot of people, of course, are religious. They might find time to go to church. For me personally, it's just, again, working out, spending some family time. But what big-time people do on Sunday afternoons, early evenings, is they sit down and they literally disappear for a period of time. And what they do is they plan their week. They have a journal. Come Monday morning, man, who do I need to be on the phone with? What big things am I planning for my future, for my week? Who do I need to be connecting with? Because most people show up at work, and what do they do? They go get a cup of coffee. They go check their emails. Mm -hmm. They get on their social media. They spend four hours of every day doing low-priority shit that's not going to get them or the company they work for any more success and then at the end of the day, they say, oh, man, it's a busy day. Whew, what'd you do? Oh, man, I checked a bunch of emails. I did a bunch of this and I did a bunch of that. And I'm like, well, did you do anything big that's going to have a significant impact on your life or your future? They're like, well, no, not really. And so that's the big difference, I think, between living life on the offensive versus living life on the defensive. Personally, I choose to be the victor. I don't want to be the victim. I choose to have multiple streams of passive income so that my income is not dependent on one source. That way, in a situation like coronavirus or in a situation where one aspect of my business might be a little weaker one month than others, do I care? Hell no. I'm just sitting back enjoying life having a good time, and I'm trying to teach other people those same things so that they can learn from Coach Brad and realize, man, I got to be investing in some real estate, or I got to be investing in stocks that pay some dividends, or I got to start a side hustle, or I've got to start something with social media where I can start making some money so I can start creating this passive income. Because once you do that, and I believe once you get to a point where you're making, it doesn't have to be a lot, 1500 2000 bucks a month in passive income, your thoughts change. You're like, holy cow, I'm making 18, 20, 25 grand a year doing nothing. It's passive. And if I just put a little bit more energy into that and I can get it to 50,000 or 75,000 or maybe even 100, 
man, my life's going to change, man. I can start doing big things. I can leave my job and I can focus on my passion and really do something that I enjoy doing with my life. Most people never get there. What do most people do? They punch the clock. They work from eight to five every day and they're on that treadmill and they hate the life they've got. They're living a life, like you said, of complacency. And it's really not becoming what I call, and it's a word that I've actually stolen from somebody that I had on my podcast, you're not becoming a fulfillionaire. Mm. A fulfillionaire is a word that I've basically stolen from Rock Thomas, but it describes the mindset of building a fulfilling life that you're passionate about, that gives you the money, gives you the wealth, gives you the freedom, gives you the things really that you're looking for. Because at the end of the day, like Bobby Castro says, we have non-refundable minutes. Every minute yeah. of every day is non-refundable. And it's how you choose to spend the minutes of every day that are going to define your life. But it's also how you choose to associate certain beliefs to the shit that happens in your life and whether you allow that to affect you positively or whether you allow that to affect you negatively. Because let's face it, shit happens, right? But a lot of times if you frame that in a positive tone or you look at the positive that's coming out of that, you don't think negatively about that. It's like, you know, if you fail at something, you could either say, oh, man, I failed. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do anything again. But if you say, hey, man, I just found one more way that don't work. I'm going to bounce right back and I'm going to try it again. Like Thomas Edison or, you know, Colonel Sanders with Kentucky Fried Chicken or any big entrepreneur will tell you, you know, I failed 10 times before I got my big breakthrough. It's just the mindset, man. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep going. 100%. Because there will be failure. There will be setbacks. 100%. And like we, we hear that so much, don't we? We hear people saying there's going to be setback. There's going to be failure. You got to be, you have to be willing to move forward through that failure. But people listening to these podcasts, people listening to these influential people, I don't think they really register that into their minds. They're like, okay, yeah, I fail. And then I'll just get back up and do it again. Like, no, yes, you will. But you have to be, you have to be, you have to believe that. And you have to actually put that into action. Like people hear this stuff. Then they go back into their normal life. Like, what's the point in that? Right. And a lot of my listeners here on this podcast are very young. They're maybe my age. And um, I believe this is the best time in your life to really start something like this, to really just take that chance on yourself, to really believe in yourself, find that passion that fuels you every single day and do whatever you can to get there. Like build Absolutely. those networks, relationship building with someone like you. It's literally a message. It's literally just a message on Instagram saying, do you want to connect? And look what yeah. it's led me. It's led me to actually interact with you one-on-one. -on -one. And that's powerful. Right. And people just don't yeah. take that chance. People just don't try. And it, it's well, you know, there's a, there's a couple things there and I, I hate to interrupt you, but here's the big message. Okay. I was 23 years old going to college, doing what my parents told me I should be doing. Okay. They yeah. scrimped and saved, you know, yes, we got some money from a wealthy uncle to help pay for the college costs. But at the end of the day, I was going to school to do what? To be an architect because I was really good at drawing, I was really good at designing things, and I wanted to be an architect so that I could go on and become a real estate developer. Wow. And at the end of the day, you know, I wasn't the best student. I was getting decent grades, but I wasn't, you know, on the dean's list or anything like that. 
And so I responded to an ad in the local newspaper to go to work for a small oil company, getting on the phone, raising capital, got real good, found out I was a really good closer, found out I could raise money, then went to work for another company. And of course, the second company was a little shady, and so I had to resign. And so all the investors that I had cultivated looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do? Well, they didn't know how old I was because most of the work I was doing was over the telephone. I said, I don't know. And so I had a bunch of investors that essentially backed me. And so at the age of 23, not knowing a damn thing about running a business or starting a company, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I wasn't starting business and business school. I was studying architecture. All I knew is I just got to go to uh, Kinko's or whatever and get me a couple of business cards and get some letterhead. And, you know, I'm in business. Well, I found out real quickly building a business is a lot more than letterhead and envelopes and business cards. It's, you know, CPA, it's a bookkeeper, it's a lawyer, it's payroll, it's all kinds of stuff, right, to professionalize it and to do it right. But at the age of 23, I took that leap of faith. I believed in myself. Now, here's what I'll tell you. My parents thought I was an absolute idiot. They thought I was crazy. I won't say that they disowned me, but they're like, what, what in the hell are you doing? Throwing your life away. What do you know about running a company, building a business? You don't know a damn thing. And then, of course, as I became more successful, just like I have with coaching, and I proved them wrong when I showed up in a new Porsche, you know, and I was doing all these big, you know, deals where I was writing checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like, okay, well, this kid is no longer our a dropout, uh, you know, son who dropped out of college. He's now, you know, J.R. Ewing, he's the CEO of an oil company. They were obviously very proud of me because of the success that I had. But it's one of those things where you just got to take a leap of faith. You've got to say, look, if I fail, so what? Yep. Because the biggest fear that people have, Yash, is really the judgment of other people. It's what are my parents going to think? Holy crap, if I fail. Or what are my siblings going to think? Or what are my best friends going to think? And, you know, at the end of the day, what I've learned by being around people that I've listened to or that I've interviewed is to really have success, you have to block out your feelings, okay? It's the self-talk. I mean, listen to people like David Goggins. Listen to the podcast I did with Gary Miller, who completed the Ocean 7. It's the ability to use what's up here and to tell your body and to tell your mind, I can do this. I'm going to go prove everybody wrong and just keep going, man. It's the self-talk. You know, I've been a triathlete and I've been a marathon runner and an avid cyclist. And, you know, when you're out 15 miles in a run, you know, your body's telling you, dude, I'm tired. I'd be at home watching TV, doing a hell of a lot better things than being out here in the middle of the hot heat with another 10 miles ahead of me. But you start talking to yourself. It's only another couple miles, man. I can do this. I'm setting a personal record today. I want to prove to myself that I can do this. And so you keep going. And it gets back to the 40% rule that I learned from Goggins that he was taught as a Navy SEAL that says when your mind is telling you you're fatigued and you're tired, your body really has only delivered 40% of what it's capable of delivering. And so your mind has to communicate to the rest of your body, dude, you're only at 40%. Keep going. I mean, you're good for another 10 miles and you just keep talking to yourself. And before you know it, you know, you finished a marathon or you finished an ultra and you're like proving to yourself that you're capable of doing all these big, great things. And then when you do that, it's like, okay, well, shit, I just ran 26.2 miles. What's next? 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do an ultra. Okay, what does that look like? Well, an ultra is defined as anything longer than a, a marathon. So usually they're 50 Ks. That's roughly 30 miles. And I'm talking to people that are doing 100 miles. Imagine running 100 miles. Wow. Powerful people stuff. do it. Powerful people stuff. do it. People do it. You know? And, and those people are so damn inspiring because they're pushing the envelope on human potential, when I see a dude like Goggins or I see a dude like Darren Miller that I talked to a few weeks ago that said, I'm training for a 200-mile race. I'm just like, dude, that's like me running from Houston like to Dallas, Texas. That's a five-hour drive doing 80 miles an hour, and you're going to run that? I mean, you know, I can't even fathom that. But, you know, they've got vans. They've got support teams. You know, they've got it figured out when they're running. You know, someone's handing them, a, you know, a goo or someone's handing them a water bottle to hydrate. And it's like the Energizer Buddy, man. They just go. But the thing that I will tell you is people that do stuff like that do it because of purpose. Darren Miller has a charity and he gets pledges for every mile. And when he's out there and he's saying to himself, man, I'm so tired, I'm ready to give up. He doesn't give up. Why? Because there's purpose. He knows mm-hmm. that every additional mile he gets is raising hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for that charity that he is passionate about. That's, that's beautiful stuff, man. And um, it, sometimes people find it difficult to find that purpose, don't you think? Um, especially with me. But I think I have a deeper purpose where I want to do everything for mum. Mum is my driver. My, she, I, I do everything for her, and that's why I've been building this brand online. That's why I've been doing these things. That's why I've been connecting with you guys. Um, it's, it's all for her at the end of the day, so that's my purpose. But people find it difficult to find their own purpose sometimes, to find their true passion. Um, so that's, that's probably another topic for another day. <laughs> but I did want to <laughs> ask you, with those networks and those connections, like you do know, you do know a lot of people and you've been quite successful with interacting with them and going on their podcasts and that, um, because it's such an important skill to have, isn't it? So just to be able to network and be able to build a relationship just to throw a message and have the ability to actually speak to them one-on-one, that's a skill in itself. How did you rise up the ranks with through virtually nothing? And like, even if you want to peel back a bit through your, early 20s starting that oil company like how did you build those connections i know it was through your job um but what what made you different and how did you build those relationships with those people what was the main things you think well i I think number one you have to realize that it's human nature that most people want to and have a human need to help other people The other thing is you have to basically build this mindset that you're capable of approaching others. I mean, the worst thing anybody's going to say is no, right? I mean, or they're not going to respond to you, but by reaching out and just asking, you'll, you'll surprise yourself. You'll be amazed that people will say, yeah, I'm more than happy to help you. Or yeah, I mean, I'll be on your podcast. I'll let you interview me. And so, you know, as somebody obviously that has their own podcast, Beast Nation, I'm always looking for great people that can add value that I can interview. And so it's just reaching out to people on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, you know, 
whether it's Bobby Castro or Tim Story or Coach Bird or Bradley or, you know, whoever. And, uh, you know, invariably nine out of 10 times, they're like, sure, you know, if you want, I'm happy to give you 30 minutes or an hour for an interview. And then once you have that relationship, which really is just an interview, it's then nurturing that relationship. It's really then, you know, saying, hey, really enjoyed having you on my podcast. What I'd like to talk to you about is perhaps doing some type of an event where uh, we could get together and do a couple of hour intensive training or, you know, I'm doing a live event. I'd love to have you actually come down and do this live for me if you're willing to do that. And it's really just, you know, doing that. The other thing too, it's also understanding, Yash, that you become the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And so if you look around you and the people that you're associating with, you're basically probably at a level financially or socioeconomically at a level that's comparable to these other people that you're spending most of your time with. And so I'm not saying that you have to disassociate yourself with your friends and your family, but you know, what I'm saying is that you need to seek out new people that you're hanging out with because they will open your mind to bigger Mm -hmm. thoughts and bigger ideas. And, you know, when other people ask you to do stuff, just say, you know, hey, I'm busy right now. Love you. Let's get together next week for a beer and let's get caught up. That's great. But really start trying to surround yourself with bigger people because it's very true. Your network does define your net worth. You know, your network does define your net worth. Um, Getting back to that beast mindset or to that prey drive. You know, when you see somebody drive up to pick you up in a Lamborghini or in a Ferrari, you know, and you've got a Yugo or a Hyundai sitting in the garage that you're, quote, somewhat embarrassed about showing them, dude, that makes you hungry. It's like, man, I, I want one of these too, man. What do I got to do? How hard do I have to work so that in six months or in a year, I'm the dude pulling up in that fancy sports car, right? I mean, the first time I ever flew in a private jet, I mean, it was like eye-opening to me. I'm like, man, this is how I need to be flying. You know, and uh, it really motivated me. And it still does to this day when I see people like Milet or I see people like Coach Bird or like Cardone in his Gulfstream, you know, and it just motivates me to work harder and to be doing the things so that hopefully in a couple of years, you know, I can have basically a Beast Airlines, right? And have my logo on the tail of a plane. There's no reason I can't. Nothing. But at the same time, it's all up here. It's I've got to do the things daily, weekly, and I've got to discipline myself and my team. The other thing I'll tell you also that a lot of people are scared to do, Yash, is really reinvest back in themselves. You have to scale. You have to reinvest. And you have to constantly be doing this because it does cost money to make money. And most entrepreneurs will start a business as a solopreneur, one person working by themselves. They start making a little bit of money. They start putting a little bit of money in the bank. And then what they do is they hoard it. They're like, okay, I got 20,000 or I got 50,000 in the bank. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good for me. What you should be doing is taking a percentage of that money and reinvesting it back into your business. Hire one person or hire two people, teach them some skills, get them on the telephone, get them to sell for you, get them to close. So that now you're making more money. You're starting to see a return on that investment. And the problem is that so many people, when they look at investing in their business, look at it the wrong way. They look at it as, 
you know, what's the ROI? If I invest $1,000, I expect to get back 3000 or 4000 And in reality, I think that's the wrong way to look at things. A better question to be asking yourself is how much money do I need to invest to get to a million dollars in revenue? Because most businesses don't ever get to a million dollars in revenue. A million dollars in revenue is what I call a major milestone for any business or any entrepreneur. Because once you're there, it's very easy to scale to two to three mm. because you've got the revenue and hopefully you've got the desire and the willingness to invest to get you to that next level. If you don't, shame on you. But I tell people the only way really that you're going to do that is to continually be investing, getting more people on your team, teaching yeah. them skills, teaching them how to sell, teaching them how to close so that you've got a bigger customer base and then boom, you just keep going. You just keep growing. And that's a big thing that a lot of people don't talk about is it is building that team around you and actually training them to think the way you think as well. But more importantly, it's also to network. It's also to build those relationships. And I feel like that in in on itself is a very unspoken uh, path, an unspoken skill. And that's why I'm spending a lot of time during this podcast and uh, speaking to other people is building those relationships and actually using them to propel me to become better. Like I just reached out to my coach, Angel, and already in one week's time, he's, he's improved my life so much. And that was just of one interaction. And um, in order for you to grow, it's so important to build your network base. Like you said, your net worth is based on your network, isn't it? And that's a great quote. Um, so I, I truly do believe that it is important. And like, what would you say is the number one thing that you, when you're, when you're reaching out to a larger person than yourself, and that's so important as well is not to reach out to people that are behind you in a sense. Do you know what I mean? People, you want to reach out to people that, have already walked the path that you want to walk on and learn from their mistakes, learn from how they've done it. And that's the power of coaching again. But what would you say is the, maybe the number one thing that you could utilize to reach out to them? Because some of the times maybe you go on Instagram, you, you reach them, you reach to them on Instagram, you have maybe 500 followers and they, they don't want to respond back to you. So what do you think is the main thing that you can give them? Because you have to be willing to give them something as well in return for whatever they're going to give you back, isn't it? You can't, it's just not a one way street. It works both ways. There has to be benefits on both sides. So what do you think is that one thing that can, that can get there? I think that when you're reaching out to somebody that is perceived to be bigger than you or is a public figure or, you know, is a celebrity, what you want to do is you want to lead with value. You want to find out what interests they have, what they're passionate about, what they're really um, behind, and then approach them with that first. Lead with value. Uh, you know, this is something that I learned from one of the best connectors in the world and somebody that probably knows more influential people than anybody on planet Earth, uh, Larry K. Binet. And he said, you always want to lead with value. He said, for example, you know, if you look at somebody like, uh, a Matthew Knowles, who of course is the father to Beyonce and to Solange, of course, uh, you know, the name behind uh, musical talent like Chaka Khan, you know, Cool in the Gang, Destiny's Child. He's very passionate in his life about a couple things. 
And so if you go to his website and you look at some of the things he's behind or some of the things he's very active with, you know, he's very active with things like, you know, big brothers, big sisters. Um, he's very active with certain charities and things like that. And so one thing that you might do as an idea when you're reaching out to him is say, you know, hey, Mr. Knowles, I noticed that you're very, very active with this big charity. And I see that they're having an event coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'd like to buy a table at that event, or I'd like to buy a ticket in support of that event. How do I do that? Well, you know, naturally he's going to call you back to tell you how to do that, or he's going to let you know. And so now you're starting a relationship because what you're doing is you're leading with value about something that that person is passionate about or that they have an interest in. It's the same way with, um, you know, their business. If you have something that is a value, maybe you've written a book. You send somebody a complimentary copy of your book with a short little handwritten note saying, you know, hey, I thought this book might be of interest to you. would love to connect. Because a book really is a great door opener. It's a great way for people to change their lives because it's different than a business card. It gives you instant credibility. And it's just something that, you know, people are not going to throw away. It's going to sit there on their desk. It's going to stare people back in the face every single day. And so I love sending my books to people with handwritten notes because invariably it either gets an email or it gets a telephone call. They call me back. They want to thank me. And so there's a couple of things that you can definitely do in reaching out to big people. The other thing always that I will tell you when you're reaching out to somebody is don't be a taker. Don't ask what is it they can do for me. Always be giving. Always be offering something of value because they will give back in spades. They will open up their connections and their relationships. But the way to approach people is to say, you know, hey, I'd like to help you. I see you're doing this. What can I do to be of help? That's powerful. That's powerful. And I've, um, I was writing all that stuff down as you were speaking because people need to be taking notes in this podcast, guys. If you're listening, get your notepads out and take some Absolutely. notes from this valuable person. Um, that's beautiful stuff. That's beautiful stuff. And I totally agree with everything that you said. Um, that's how I interact with people that are perceived to be larger than me as well. And I believe I'm quite good at that. I, I, I And the only thing that makes me good at that is I lead with value. Like you said, I never ask for anything in return and I always see their intentions and determine how I can help that. And I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on this because it is, like I said earlier, it's a very unspoken issue uh, because people, and I'm sure you've experienced this a lot on your Instagram page. And I definitely have people go and ask you, Oh, how much money do you make on Instagram? Oh, how much money um, can I make through this? Oh, can you shout me out for free? I'm like, are you serious? Are you actually kidding me? Like, what makes me want to shout you out? What, yeah. what have you done for me? Right. And just like, they, just like if someone had 5 million followers and I'm reaching out to them and I'm saying, oh, um, can we speak? Or some crap like that. Like, what are, why would they respond to me? So it's so mm -hmm. important to lead with value and actually do your research on them. That's a big thing as well. Like you mentioned, go on their website, see what they're doing and somehow try to offer them value. Um, so I appreciate that insight, man. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. I do want to um, end with one last question. And I know you're a busy man. You have to get to your, your wife and your kid to have some dinner. I appreciate that a lot. Um, 
like I said earlier, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, I'm not too sure about your podcast. My podcast definitely have a lot of young people in it, uh, mm-hmm. in my age range. So what would it be that one, that one bit of advice for someone that's young that wants to transform their life and wants to actually take that risk today? Because a lot of people get in that trap where they study in year 12, high school, they get out, go get a job and they stick and they stay comfortable to that. But they always have that vision deep inside. They always have that dying passion for something that they just don't know how to release. So what would it be that one advice that you could tell that person? Well, actually, there's probably more than one. Um, The one thing that I will tell you is if you're given the opportunity to work for somebody as a mentor, take the opportunity to work for somebody as a mentor over the money any day of the week. That's the best thing that you can do is learn from somebody that's willing to mentor you, to teach you the things that they have done to be hugely successful, be willing to make a sacrifice in your future. In other words, if you've got the option of working for a mentor and getting paid 80,000 or taking a job making 110,000, yeah, it's 30,000 bucks. But if that mentor can teach you how he's built a multi-million dollar empire and built a company that's doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year and in three years or five years, you can take the skills that that guy has mentored you on to go out and do it yourself. Was that worth $30,000 a year for a couple of years? Hell yeah. I've got a good friend of mine actually up in Dallas that went to work for somebody by the name of Richard rainwater now richard rainwater is a billionaire and when this guy came out of school he went to work for rainwater and what richard rainwater did is he mentored him and he said ken here's some money to invest and play with and if you do well you'll get a percentage of all of the profits that you generate with this money that you're going to be investing for me well hell can he hit it out of the park made millions for rainwater But in working alongside him, he also made himself a little bit of coin as well. Mm -hmm. And then after working for Richard Rainwater for a few years, he went off on his own and started his own company called MPG, Natural Gas Partners, up in Dallas. He became a billionaire worth a few hundred million. He's got a big family office with two doors down from Mark Cuban. You know, you can look him up. He is the real deal because he realized the importance in seeking out a mentor. It's the same thing in hiring a coach, right? If you're in your 20s or early 30s, the best thing you can do is hire a coach. Get coached by somebody that will teach you the skills, give you the right frame of mind, get you disciplined, get you on the track to success. Otherwise, you'll have a job, you'll make money, but like we said earlier, you'll become comfortable, you'll become complacent, you won't be hungry, that prey drive won't be activated. And so I think one of the best things you can do is hire a coach or or find a mentor. The other thing that I also think is very, very important is to look at yourself introvertly because this is something that most people never do. I believe that everybody that's ever born on planet Earth is given something special. God puts a seed in everybody. Steve Harvey calls it, you're something special. The problem is most people never find out what they're good at. They never find that one true skill or that one true thing 
that if they were just nurture it and they would just water it, they could get really, really good at it. And then they could actually share that one skill or that one thing with millions of people and get paid lots of money. Maybe you're great at guitar. Maybe you're great at piano. Hell, maybe you're great at golf or sailing or whatever it is you do. But think about how good you could get at that if you started doing that daily religiously, like someone like a Tiger Woods or someone like a Michael Jordan, where you could then become an Olympic class sailor, or you could become a concert pianist, or you could become a badass guitar player and be somebody like that, or Jimi Hendrix or Carlos Santana. The problem is a lot of people just kind of take casual interest at stuff, never really finding out what they're really, really good at. But if you sit down and you say, God, what am I really, really good at? That if I just continue to nurture and continue to go along in the same direction, can literally get to a point of mastery where I have mastered that and I am so good at that, that I am such a standout, then I can do that and make a lot of money. It's like kids that go on from high school to play college ball and then, of course, they get scouted and they become professional athletes either in the NBA or in the NFL, you know, these young kids in these 20s are making millions of dollars. Why? It's because they're good. They found their skill. They're awesome at football. And they practice, and they've gone to the workouts, and they've got the coach, and they're doing it every single day. Same thing in tennis. When I was playing uh, tennis competitively, I had a good friend, Aaron Crickstein, that was one of the top 20 tennis players in the world. And he said, man, it's the discipline of practicing every single day, three hours, five hours, to become one of the best in the world. But you've got to do that. And that's what it takes. And most people aren't going to do it. The problem is that most people don't want to put in the effort. Being successful is hard-ass work, dude. You think a Rolls Royce just shows up on the front doorstep of your house one morning or a Rolex watch shows up by your bedstand? Hell no. you got to work your ass off for those things. But most people are not willing to put in the work and do the things to become hugely successful. They think they're going to win the lottery. Well, don't work that way. It's long hours. It's grit. It's frustration. It's exhaustion. It's asking yourself day in, day out when you're hustling and grinding and you don't think you're getting anywhere. This ain't working. But it's the dedication. It's the mindset to just keep going and keep going the distance. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get a different result. Well, if you find something that ain't working, do something different. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. But at the end of the day, don't ever give up because if you continue to go and you continue to move forward, one day you will wake up and you'll find yourself as a huge success. Yeah. You know, it's the old what I call iceberg, right? We've all seen the pictures on the internet. You've got the big old iceberg and on top of the water, they show all of the success, right? That's what everybody sees, the big house fancy car, a nice watch, but really underwater is where the mass of that iceberg lies. That's all the shit that most people never see that that entrepreneur had to go through to become a huge success, mm -hmm. working from six in the morning to sometimes two and three in the evening and many times on weekends when they were getting started, borrowing money, going in debt doing things, wondering why is this not working like it should be working, and then pivoting and trying something else, wanting to give up, not knowing if you're going to be able to make payroll. Dude, I've been there. 
when I was building my oil company, there were long weeks when I was like, man, how am I going to pay everybody next week? And I had to figure out a way and it always worked out. But there are things that you just learn on those life lessons. If you just one day throw in the towel and say, I'm going to go back to my job, I'm going to give up. You're never going to get what you are looking for. Yep. And from the, from you speaking there, the one thing that came into my mind was uh, people are willing to day in and day out play the lottery. They're willing to day in and day out bid on the races. They're willing to day in and day out go to the nightclub, uh, go to the clubs and play poker. You know what I mean? But they're not yeah. willing to take that chance in themselves. So imagine if they put that time, they put that energy, they put that effort into themselves. Imagine what that return could be like. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's very simple at the end of the day, but people are not willing to take that risk. But I appreciate you so much, Brad Blazer. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Where can people find you? Where can they find you? What's the Instagram handle? Where can they find you? Yeah, it's pretty simple. The Instagram handle is Brad Blazer. It's B-L-A-Z, like zebra, A-R. Just make sure you put an A at the end of my last name. I'm not a four-wheel drive Chevrolet, and I'm not a Blazer <laughs> sports coat. It's Brad Blazer, B-L-A-Z-A-R. That is my Instagram handle. Uh, on uh, my website, it's just bradblazer.com. You can buy my books uh, on Amazon. Go to Amazon and just uh, do a search with my name, and you'll see the two books, the one behind me on the banner on the wings of eagles. The other one's called put some thrive in your hive. And they're both great reads. The other thing too, I'll tell everybody that's listening uh, to your podcast when it goes out. I believe that goals are very, very important. Most people don't have them. Most people have never taken the time to write them down. I've got a gold planning guide. That's very instrumental. That literally is like a journal that will tell you how to take your goals and put them on writing. And then more importantly, how to back them with action. All you have to do is simply send an email to info, I-N-F-O at bradblazer.com. Just put in the subject line, guide, goal planning, whatever, and we will send you that as a PDF so that you can get concrete on your goals and hopefully become more successful because Harvard University did a study where they tracked a few thousand people. And what they found is that 3% of that group actually earned 10 times as much money as the other 97% combined. The only difference was that 3% had goals. They wow. wrote them down and then they backed them with action. So everybody get the goal planning guide info, I-N-F-O at bradblazart.com. Find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, find me on LinkedIn, Pinterest. I'm all over social media. would love to connect. would love to have you as a follower. Yash, this has been fantastic, buddy. I'm gonna have to get down under. And uh, meet you and my boy, Joel Brown. I hear so much about Australia. I've got so many followers down there. I'm going to have to make it down there one day and face one of my fears, which is getting in the shark tank and facing the great light. Oh, good luck with that. I've never done that one before. But that sounds very, <laughs> very daunting. That's for sure. Um, Why don't we do it together, buddy? You up for the challenge? I am. You have to come down. We've got to do, we've got to make that a reality. I come down, buddy. Let's do that. Let's go hire a crew and let's go out and uh, let's get in the water. That'll be and, amazing. Uh, That'll be amazing. I cannot wait. Hey, let's be some beasts amongst the beasts. That's it. That is it. I love that. All right. Thank you so much, Brad. Um, you have a great day and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Absolutely, buddy. Big guy. Take care, man. Bye-bye. 
Motives, if you've made it to the end, I truly love you. Thank you so much for listening to this entire podcast. I'm hoping you got some value out of it. If you want more, subscribe to the channel on on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Subscribe and leave a comment. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, give us a follow on Motivepreneur on Instagram and TikTok. We're providing content on those platforms every single day. Again, Motives, I love every single one of you. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Bye-bye.